Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is, no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. No, it's not going to be three hours on coronavirus, but here's the reality. that This this is something which everybody's talking about, and it's also starting to affect average lives. And that's where I, I find it to be interesting how people respond to it. So we're going to intersperse coronavirus types of stories in during the course of the next three hours. Also going to be talking about a little bit of politics today. Five primaries, including the one that's being watched most closely, which is Michigan. Michigan is where Bernie Sanders is is trying to draw his firewall. Four years ago, Bernie Sanders surprised a lot of people, including Hillary Clinton, by by winning the the election. So we're going to be focusing on that. The polls all show Bernie Sanders down big time to Joe Biden in Michigan. But, you know, who knows what that is? Because one of the things that's happened with Bernie Sanders polling, just like Donald Trump, it it tends to – sometimes the polls underrepresent his degree of support. So – you know, we're, we're going to have to see, and we are going to discuss that a little bit later on. A lot of stuff coming up in this hour, but I, I do I do want to start with something going on at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Now, this kind of hits home in a way, because even though I do not have any relatives right now that go to UW-Madison, I know a lot of people who have kids that are at UW-Madison, including the gal that cuts my hair. Her daughter is a uh, freshman at UW-Madison. And so I I was in getting my hair cut yesterday morning, and they were, she was telling me about how they're leaving on Thursday, or at least they're scheduled to leave on Thursday, and they are going to go to Florida, and they're going to be staying with, um, I think, her sister or something like that, the the gal who's at Madison, her aunt. So they've had these plans for the longest time, leaving on Thursday and then coming back like a week from Saturday. But that that's spring break. UW spring break is next week. Now, we've talked on this program before about, you know, the reluctance, because candidly, if I had if I had a cruise scheduled right now, I'd cancel it. And as I said yesterday, I, I wouldn't necessarily cancel it because I'm afraid that I'm going to get sick and die from the coronavirus. I don't believe that that's the, the case at all. But I would be concerned that you'd get the coronavirus, <clears throat> You're on one of these cruise ships, and somebody gets it, and then next thing you know, you're quarantined, and you're stuck in a little uh, stateroom for the better part of, of two weeks, and they're giving you your food on trays. That's my concern. Would I be a little bit reluctant to go to Europe right now? Yes. And again, not so much because I'm concerned that I would get sick and die. I don't think that's the case. But I would be concerned that you get over there and then you're stuck and you can't get back for a few weeks. So that's my big concern with this. So anyhow, but as I mentioned yesterday, I I would not hesitate going anywhere in the continental U.S. I I, I just wouldn't. A couple weeks ago, we went to Florida. A week before last, we went to Las Vegas. You know, it's just... 
I, I have no problem with that. And, and yes, you know, I use the hand sanitizer and all that type of stuff and make sure I try to cough into my elbow and those things. But I, I'm not going to stop living my life because of this. So anyhow, I was thinking about the, the gal who cuts my hair and her daughter because, like I say, they're supposed to go to Florida on Thursday. UW, this morning, University of Wisconsin-Madison, is telling students not to leave Madison for spring break. They sent an email out today saying campus members should not travel outside Dane County during spring break because of the rapid spread of coronavirus and it could have major implications to travel plans. Uh, the chancellor, Rebecca Blank, said Madison is encouraging everyone to stay put. You may face a higher risk of infection, significant delays returning to Madison and or the requirement to self-isolate upon your return, all of which could significantly impact your professional and personal obligations at great individual expense. Anyone who does end up traveling outside of Madison for spring break will be expected to self-monitor for symptoms, including fever, cough, and difficulty breathing for 14 days. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I Look, I, I appreciate that You know, we, we, we want to be careful. We want to be smart. At the same time, I, I think there is a real danger to giving in to hysteria. It's one thing to say, we don't think it's a good idea to go on a cruise ship, right? That's what the State Department says. It's one thing to say, hey, you you probably, this might not be the best time to fly to Europe because you might get caught up in a quarantine or something like that. But what about the idea of telling students, hey, it's spring break, don't leave Madison, don't go home to your parents, don't get on an airplane and go down to Florida. Just stay put. Is that an overreaction? 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. And would you follow Rebecca Blank's instructions? If that was your kid, you had, I don't know, you had the spring break trip planned. You were going to go with the family and you're going to go visit, you know, your sister or your brother or your parents in Florida or Atlanta or in San Francisco or in Los Angeles or in Austin. Would you cancel that trip and say to the kid, stay in Madison, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I got to tell you, I I think you want to be cautious and careful. I'm not sure that that's the best advice to give to students. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you cancel your plans based on UW-Madison saying, we don't think you should leave the Madison area. My response would be, thanks for the advice. I'm not going overseas, but you know what? We've had this trip to Florida planned for the better part of a year. We're going. How would you handle it? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls. We're back to discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, you don't. Now it's interesting because some of the Ivy League schools are telling kids don't come back. You know, after vacation, we're going to start doing online courses. UW Madison, whose spring break is next week, they're saying don't leave Madison, stay here. 
don't go home, don't go on vacation, I think that's an overreaction. 855-616-1620. Liz in Hartford. Liz, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I have a a freshman at UW-Madison, and it seems to me that our home is a safer place than a dorm environment where kids are stacked on top of each other. Well, you know, that's such an interesting point, Liz, because that's, first of all, the first thing I thought of. You know, I mean, one of the problems with the cruise ships is that you have all sorts of people who are in a confined area, you know, interacting with each other. That's the classic example of a dorm, isn't it? It is, and it seems to me that if, you know, the the nanny state of the Republic of Madison yeah. at its best. Right. Well, and again, I, I can understand them saying, okay, we're obviously concerned about this, and so here's the hygiene habits, and, you know, here, the, the, you're not supposed to go on cruise ships, and, you know, if you leave the country, you're going to be, if you're going to be, you know, there's a risk of being quarantined, and you won't be able to get back. I understand all that, but don't go Absolutely. home. Don't go on a spring break trip. Don't go visit your family. In the case of the people I know, my guess is, to your point, that, that, that the home that they're going to, to go visit, you know, the aunt and uncle or whatever, that's probably a lot less likely to have coronavirus than, again, a dorm in Madison. Just saying. No, thanks, thanks for call. I, 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 that's, I, I guess that's what kind of struck me about this. Here, we, we want you to essentially self-quarantine yourself on campus. And at some point in time, I, I, wonder, if, I, I wonder if we're just giving in to hysteria. And I, I, you know, we we talk about, for example, in the media coverage, we talk about the number of cases in Wisconsin or the coronavirus with three confirmed cases. We we never mention that one of those three is is, is they're better. The person got better, and I and I look, I understand this is a big deal, and and I'm not trying to downplay it at all. But at the same time, th- this idea that we're going to just paralyze ourselves. Are there some things that are smart, like passing up on going on a cruise? Absolutely, for a variety of reasons but don't go home during spring break don't go on a a trip in the continental united states come on beth and beloit beth you're on wtmj hi thanks for taking my call you've said everything i feel we're not giving into the hysteria we have a 22 year old senior at madison and she's heading for florida on friday yeah young girls they're all healthy they're smart yeah they will do everything they can to prevent it, but no, we're not doing that. We're not giving in. Well, well, right, and I, and I guess Beth. Okay, so I mean, the the, the look, may, you know, maybe she's going to run into somebody who has a virus or something like that in Florida. But you know, the same thing is true. She could run into somebody who has a virus, you know, going up and down State Street in Madison, or if she, you know, came home to your house and she goes out to dinner or something. I mean, unless we're going to closet ourselves collectively in our in our rooms, and I really, I hope we're not at that point yet. I mean, you're always going to run the risk that you're going to be exposed, and the truth of the matter is, in all likelihood, your, your daughter's not going to get this, but if she does, she's going to be sick for a couple days, like a virus, and then she's going to get better, and, and you know, and this will pass. We can't be crazy about this. I couldn't agree more. Thanks yeah, yeah, so much. Thanks, thanks for the call. And I mean, again, these, these are just some of the things that need to be said, and, and I understand 
that just like the flu, and I again, I'm, I'm not going to compare, you know, is, is the typical flu worse than coronavirus? I'm, you know, I don't want to go down that route because you don't want to get any of it. But the, the bottom line is, you know, the flu kills people in nursing homes. The people who've died from this have been primarily, you know, older people with compromised immune systems. Um, you know, they're going to have probably would have problems with pneumonia. They'd have problems with the regular flus. I'm not poo-pooing this. I'm just saying we, we this idea that we're going to, you know, stay here on spring break, sit in your dorm room, wear your mask, and don't interact with people seems to me like it's hysteria. Let's talk to, um, let's see, Mark on the east side. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, I remember when you were talking about a poll during the uh, Obama administration, and he basically used it as an attack on him. I have no idea what and you're talking he, about, Mark. I'm sorry. I just I I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Ebola and an attack on on Barack Obama. I, you're listening to some other show. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, let's go to some texts, uh, Jeff. I um. Uh, let's see, sounds sort of socialist to me, telling you what to do. Well, I don't know that it's socialist. It's a whole situation of uh, they can advise you on these things. Once again, Jeff, educators showing their lack of common sense. Uh, Jeff, why does the media talk about the one or two cruise ships that have had a problem? I'm sure there's thousands of cruise ships that have not had a problem. Let's talk about them. Well, I think that's relevant because if you end up on a cruise ship that gets quarantined, it's a big deal. Jeff, I'm going to Florida with the family. Hopefully the lines will be shorter at Disney. I, I, that's that, yeah, that, that, that's that's right. We're, we're not closing Disney World, nor should we close Disney World. Um, Jeff, imagine the parties with thousands of Madison students in dorms if they have no class for a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. If you want to talk about, um, if you want to talk about, you know, the, these like incubator labs for germs or viruses or whatever. Yeah, let, let's take a whole bunch of kids, let's lock them up in a dorm together, and let's have them interact. Jeff, this is over the top extreme. You keep living your life cautiously, but life in a bubble is no fun at all. Yeah, that would be my point as as well. Jeff, if I were a student, I'd tell the university to kick rocks. Well, yeah, I, I think that's kind of, that's sort of what the attitude is. If they were sending out a note encouraging people to be aware of this and be cautious, I would get it. But, but the idea of just saying, go ahead, just uh, don't travel, don't leave town. To me, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's nuts. Back with more in just a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's stupid. It's tragic. Was it criminal? Here is the story. Last June, so June of last year, June 9th, there's these five high school kids. They're all, I think at the time, they're all 17. So they're out and they're at their bowling. They're at um, the Sunset Bowl or something in Waukesha. Well, after after bowling, it's around midnight. The kids decide they, they don't want to go home. They just they're being kids. They just decide they they want to kind of go drive around. So the five of them are in a van. The van is driven by a guy named um, Dan Lazaro. It's his mom's van. 
So he's driving. He's got his four friends in the van. They decide they don't want to go home. So what they do is they go over to Manuka Park in, in Waukesha. And I, I don't know if they did this in a parking lot or wherever, but they're driving they're, they're driving in Manuka Park. And so a couple of the kids, and apparently they have done this before, a couple of the kids decide that it would be fun to get out of the car, open the sliding door of the van, and then try to ride on the van's exterior. So, you know, they're kind of like hanging on outside the van as the van is, is driving. The guy who's driving it, uh, again, he's one of the five. He's going, they estimate, 20, 25 miles an hour, while a couple of the buddies are hanging on outside of the van. Well, all right, predictably, what happens is he, the driver, you know, turns, starts to make a turn. I, I don't know how hard he swerves this, but, you know, he's driving back and forth. The kids are hanging on. He makes a turn. He swerves. And one of the guys that's hanging on to the van, um, his name is Omar Caballero. He's 17 years old. He gets flipped. He loses his grip on the van, gets thrown from the van, and dies. I mean, j- just a, a horrible, horrible sort of story. Tossed from the van, 20, 25 miles an hour. Presumably, he, um, you know, fracture. He, he fractures his skull, leaves him unconscious. As soon as this happened, they, they stopped the van, they tried to render aid, they run over to the kid, and he's found lying, I don't mean to be graphic, but he's found lying in a pool of blood. They immediately load him in the van, they take him to the hospital. At first, they claimed that he was injured falling from a bike. Well, that turns out to not be true. So they, they lied about you know how he was initially injured, but you know ultimately, he, he dies as a result of his injuries. This happened on June Ninth, the Waukesha District Attorney's Office has just made a decision to bring criminal charges against the driver. 17 at the time, now he's 18. He's been charged with essentially homicide by negligent operation of a motor vehicle. Um, if convicted, He's looking at 10 years in prison. He's going to be making a court appearance later this month. The DA's office apparently looked at this for about nine months, deciding whether or not to charge it. The driver and the other witnesses, aside from at least initially lying about how the, the kid was hurt, um, you know, they, they essentially said, look, you know, we we have done this before. This wasn't the first time we did it. And the driver, the guy who's now been charged, told detectives that, hey, we're all just friends. We were just trying to be boys. That's the quote. We were just trying to be boys. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right. I will tell you where I come down on this in a moment. But this is one where I'm curious about your reaction. You've got, you know, they're all 17. They're buddies. They've been out together and they're doing something that they have apparently done on multiple occasions before. They're driving through this park. A couple of them are hanging on the exterior of the van. In this case, one of the kids falls off, fractures his skull, and ends up dying. All right? Should the driver, the 17-year-old, be charged with a crime, or is this one where it is unfortunate, it is tragic, but essentially they all knew what they were signing up for, and criminal charges don't accomplish anything. That would be my question. Should 
should they have been charged? This happened about nine months ago, so obviously the DA's office considered it. They have now decided to bring charges against the driver. Is that the right decision? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this in a moment, but I'm genuinely curious. Is this, oh, it's just boys being boys. They all kind of assumed the risk. It is tragic. It is unfortunate. It is not criminal. Or, hey, you were driving the car. You're the one that made the swerve. You're the one that caused your friend to fall off. You're responsible. Somebody's dead. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the hotline, please hold on. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Lori in Green Bay. Hi, Lori. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Okay, should they charge the kid, the driver in this case? I think so. I think when you get behind the wheel of a car, you have a responsibility, and you're not being responsible by letting someone doing that while they're riding in your car. It's your responsibility, and if that happened, that's part your fault. It was your choice. Is it? Is it also the fault of the guy who decides... I mean, I, no, nobody nobody made the, I'm, we'll call him the victim, nobody made the young man who ended up dead, nobody made him get out of the van and kind of hold on. He, he was doing it presumably for fun and for the thrill, and they'd done it before, given the fact that he voluntarily made the choice to participate in this. Should that make any difference at all? Well, yes. As soon as he makes that decision as the driver of the car, you have to say, no, we're not doing that, and either kick him out of the car or stop altogether. Does the fact I that, think they both were contributing. Right. Does the fact that he had that they had apparently done this before, that this was like a game that these, these five played on, on multiple occasions, does the fact that they'd done it before and nothing bad had happened, does that make any difference, or it's just... You're the driver. You should have been smart enough to just shut this down. That's what I think. If they were going to do that before and nothing happened, then they were pretty darn lucky. But that can always happen. Right. Got it. Okay, thanks for the call. Um, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a moment. But, I mean, I, I think we all know the scenario. It's five kids. They're friends. They're out for what I will describe as a joyride. They're they're doing stupid 17-year-old boy type of stuff that they have apparently done before, hanging outside the car. I don't think any of them necessarily anticipated that somebody was going to lose their life. But if you listen to this, hey, you're, you're driving 30 miles an hour hanging onto a van. What do you think is going to happen if you fall off the, the van? Barb on the south side. Barb, you're on WTMJ. Yes, I think that uh, definitely he should be charged, but with something less serious than homicide by delinquent use. Um, he did something wrong, and I recently we were hearing about boys will be boys and right. locker room talk. There is no such thing. Uh, you made a decision to drive that van. Nobody told you you had to, and you made a swerve. That was negligent, but he didn't intend his friend to die or or even fall off. But there was was a mistake and there was a, a crime. 
Yeah. I just think uh, maybe a lesser charge would be appropriate. Okay. Well, thanks. I, I don't know what I don't know what the lesser charge that, that would be um, because if, if if the behavior is, I think we would all agree. That this is this is a negli- this is negligent operation of a motor vehicle to be driving in this particular fashion with with somebody hanging out of the car and of course the result was you know somebody ended up losing their life so I mean I think that's the I guess I look at this and I say I, I think that's probably the appropriate charge if if you're going to decide to bring a charge here I guess the question to me becomes and I'll I'll give you my take in just a moment again the question to me becomes. Under the circumstances, given that you had the, the passenger who assumed the risk, presumably, of, of this behavior, given the fact that, you know, this is a voluntary sort of thing, given the fact that they had done this before, should that, does that make any difference? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage uh, Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I think he's already paid the price. Kids are kids. He will have to live with this, huh? Uh, let's see, Jeff, I um, must have missed the part in driver's ed where they taught me to hang outside of a moving vehicle safely. The driver's responsible for this, like it or not. Uh, Jeff, I think that bringing charges may be the only way to slow down this type of behavior. I don't believe you should get the book thrown at him, but somebody needs to say that this is unacceptable. Text, Jeff, tragic case. That being said, it's a perfect example of play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yes, charges need to be filed for accountability and deterrence, jail or prison time. That's a different story. Let's talk to Jeff in Germantown. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Very well, thank you. Okay, should they charge this guy? I think they absolutely do charge him, yeah. Um, And I think all uh, all the circumstances that you've already discussed should be considered at the time of sentencing, if there's a conviction or a plea, um, and I think rightfully so, I think there's a lot of a lot of factors that that need to be considered. Meaning, you know, the right. quote unquote victim was a was a willing participant, and uh, so so there should be consideration for all that. But I I do think he should be charged. Uh, I think he's got a responsibility here, and he shouldn't. Uh, shouldn't uh, yeah you know you know Jeff I actually I I agree with you completely that's kind of how I analyze this I I look at this and say yeah you're you're the driver so at the end of the day you're responsible for what goes on and and I don't care if everybody's thinks that this is fun or whatever you're ultimately the one that through your actions behind the wheel of the car caused this your friend to lose his life so yeah I, I agree with you I think it's a criminal charge now to your point and I agree with that also I, I think there's all sorts of to, to me do you treat this guy this driver differently than a situation where a driver is let's say you're going down a two-lane highway and you're swerving back and forth and playing chicken with another car and then you smash into that car and take that person's life is that a different fact situation than this yeah it is and if i'm the judge from a sentencing perspective I might treat that, even though you know people are dead in both cases. I treat that differently than I treat one where, okay, it's it's a bunch of kids that are playing around and they all kind of assume the risk. But to me, it doesn't change the fact that it, it's still a crime that ended up being committed. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, no, thank, thanks. I mean, to me, that's how I would analyze this. It, it's. It's it's a sentencing. It's a resolution of the matter because, like I say, I, I think, you know, 
there's there's the underlying conduct and then then you start looking in at all the various factors so do do i think every homicide by negligent operation of a motor vehicle is the same no I, again i think you can come up with very different fact set settings that determine what the outcome is but still um you know it's still a big deal let's talk to brian in west bend brian hello hello so I've got a different take on this, and I okay. don't think he should be charged. And I'm going to base my um, opinion off of a case that took place back in Campbellsport, if you remember correctly, the Carly Ottery case. She was driving erratically, um, and there was people that were not seatbelted in. They got thrown from the vehicle, and multiple people died in that situation. And there was no real charges brought against her. So in this mm-hmm. situation, you got a lot of kids acting stupidly, very immaturely. They're going to have to deal with this for the rest of their life. So a, a homicide by negligence, I just think that's a little bit extreme just because, granted, we're just dealing with kids here. Okay, let me let me change the fact situation a little bit. Let, let, let's go back to the example I just gave. If, if instead of the kid hanging outside the car, you had the, the driver who was swerving back and forth, kind of like playing chicken with oncoming cars, hits one of those oncoming cars and kills the driver of the vehicle. In, in that particular case, would homicide by negligent operation of a vehicle charge be appropriate? Then I would agree with you, yes. Okay. Be, and the, the difference the is it's... you had one party, what's that? The, the difference being in one case it's a stranger, in the other case it, it's a friend. And the other person's not participating in it willingly. It's kind of like if you pull someone behind the car on a skateboard, which we did as kids many times. If something would have happened to the the person on a skateboard, I would not fault the driver. I would fault the person who is participating in the act. Okay. Would your would your thinking be the same if let, let's use my <clears throat> example? You got the car that the the seventeen year olds driving, you know, trying to play chicken with oncoming cars, car full of kids weaving back and forth. You hit a truck head on, and three of the kids in the car end up dying. Would, in in that situation, would you say the the driver shouldn't be charged with the deaths of the people that were in his car because everybody else was having no, fun that- too? Well, in that case, that's kind of a fine line because who knows if they're having fun or not. But, yes, I would charge him in that case just because what he's doing is putting everybody at risk. The person hanging out, falling off, kind of has a different parameters. Okay, good enough. Well, those are I, – now, see, I, I respectfully disagree, um, but, but those are all factors that come in. I, I guess I, I don't see this scenario actually being much different than the one that I just gave, where, again, it's a two-lane road, you've got a bunch of kids, yeah, let's swerve into the traffic, and everybody cheering them on, and then you hit the truck and everybody in the car ends up dying. I guess I don't, I don't see this as being that different. Now, you came up with an example of a, of a case from a few years ago that I, I'm just, I'm not remembering all the details of this, car driving erratically and people not wearing seatbelts thrown. I, I, again, the, the determination is always going to be, to me, a case-by-case sort of thing based on what the facts of a particular situation is. But, you know, in I guess the bottom line for me is when you're behind the wheel of a car, I, at the end of the day, you're the one that has the responsibility for the safety of, of the people. And you're the one that has the obligation to say, you know, get back in the car or, or we're not going to go anywhere. Now, I, again, I, I, in this particular situation, I, I get the idea. It's friends. They've done this before. This was kids being kids, boys being boys or, or whatever, and now somebody's dead, and nobody intended it. And if I'm the judge, I take that into account. 
But if I'm the prosecutor, yeah, I bring charges. I'll let you know how this turns out. The young man, um, he's making his first court appearance uh, March 23rd and see how this all resolves. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstadt, we were just talking off the air. Our, our opening day is, of course, it's a week. It's two weeks from Thursday, yeah. so it's coming up. And, and of course, you know, in, in some countries, they're, they're canceling sporting events. They're playing these, so- not canceling them, but they're playing soccer games in front of no people. It's, mm-hmm. it's essentially for TV. And... Right now, um, I guess all the professional sports, hockey, basketball, football, and baseball, have at least for the time being, they're they're closing essentially the clubhouse so the players aren't going to be allowed to interact with the media in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, so that started up. Now we'll see how long that quote-unquote temporary ban is in place. Yeah, and if you got opening day, who knows what could happen. I. You you don't know what to anticipate, you know, a week from now if this thing grows a certain way, but everyone's trying to be proactive with it. Well, it is interesting because for the last you – know, we have our big opening day coverage, mm-hmm. and for the last several years, I've been in the dugout, right. you know, and uh, by myself in the last year with, with, with Steve Scafidi and I, and it, it's it's very cool. It, it's, a, it's one of the things I look forward to doing because it's kind of fun. You're in the dugout. It's this great thing, and it's easier because they bring the players out to yeah. you and things like that. But, you know, who knows? No, we'll still do it. We'll still do player interviews. I mean, the worst-case scenario is we're out in the mobile broadcast yeah, facility, right. and they're on the headsets in the in the dugout. But um, it, I guess it's always a possibility that that could happen. But it, it is kind of interesting because I, I remember not last year but two years ago, Josh Hader, mm-hmm. um, he comes out and – He's sick as a dog. He, he's got the flu, and he, he comes out, and he was, he, he's a very, very nice guy. He's a really nice young man, and I, I kept saying, you don't have to call me sir. He kept calling me sir. It's, like, <laughs> it's making me feel old, but but he's like, I, I'm, he said, I'm really sick, and so he was doing the, I, you know, I, we're not going to shake hands. You know, he was doing the elbow bump back oh, okay. then, and I just all thought, right. I remember that, and it's like, okay, well, I, I kind of appreciate you you doing that and all, but you just, you, you wonder while this coronavirus, as it plays out, how how is this going to change kind of interactions and things like that? I I can't see I can't see Major League Baseball canceling games. I just or, don't. Or, or playing in front of an empty stadium. You know what I mean? That that would be another option potentially. I, I yeah. I don't I, I don't see it either. Although Ivy League though, they just announced that they've canceled their basketball tournament. Yeah, I guess so. But it's I mean, the, to me, what what do you do? What do you do with the Olympics? You know, we're coming up. I mean, there you got people coming from all over the world, and that's what in July or something. Mm -hmm. So then you got the Summer Olympics that are starting pretty soon. The athletes' village there, you know, a lot goes on in that village. Well, yes. What 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 are all these stories about? It's like they go through the record number of condoms or something (laughs) like that. That's it. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. All sorts of uh, yeah. If if you were talking about just a breeding ground for the coronavirus, that would be at some. In any event, we're we're just all kind of playing it by ear. But that was one of the First things I thought of, if they're they're closing clubhouses and stuff to the media, it's like, huh, wonder how they're going to do opening day. We'll so, see. but we will we will have player interviews regardless, one way or the other. All right, I want to switch gears. I'm going to play two portions of two songs. I want you to listen to them, and then we're going to have a discussion. But but here's here's the first song.
Okay, that is the first song. Here is the second song. for frame of reference let's play a few seconds of the first song again went through that exercise because this the di- distinction between those two songs has just become actually it's been going on for a number of years but it, it's sort of reached its climax 2 days ago this has been one of the most talked about issues in the music industry the first song that we played was a song from 1968 by a group that you have never ever heard of called Spirit. The song is called Taurus. The second song that we played is a song that everybody has heard of. It is the 1971 Led Zeppelin song Stairway to Heaven. And Stairway to Heaven went on to be this incredible mega hit. Uh, Spirit, the, the the band that really never went anywhere, they apparently, back in the 60s, were an opening act for at least certain number of shows for Led Zeppelin. And so what happens is the guy who wrote Taurus, that, that the song that sounds similar, the first song we played, he's passed away. His estate sues Led Zeppelin. And they say what happened is that this they stole it. Um, the authors of Led Zeppelin, which would be uh, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, the, the authors of Stairway to Heaven, that they would have had an opportunity to hear the song. Because, again, the, the band Spirit opened up for them for a limited period of time. They would have had the opportunity to hear it, and so they ripped off that song. And so the argument is that the band, okay, Led Zeppelin, should have to pay essentially millions of dollars in royalties because they ended up ripping off that song. Now, without going too deep into the weeds, there is, and, and look, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a guitar guy, okay? I, I just, I, I, I love music, but I have no musical talent. While the, the, the introductions are similar, um, the, the progression of chords 
is slightly different. So it's not an identical situation. And there's also no question, um, other than that, that initial progression, um, Stairway to Heaven becomes a different song than uh, the song Taurus becomes. But in any event, the, the author of that first song, the 1968 song, His Estate Sues. Um, the matter has been working its way through the court, and there was just at least a decision that came out yesterday. But before we get into that, I, I want to have a discussion with you. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. There is clearly a similarity. There, there's just there's no question about it. I, I think if you... If I had said to you, I'm going to play you Stairway to Heaven, and we at least played, you know, at least that initial chord project, that, that at least initial sound, you would have probably said, oh, that sound, that's Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. All right, the songs then diverged. Here is my question. Do you believe that Led Zeppelin ripped off that song? Is this, should this have been copyrighted, protected? Should Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, you know, did they steal this song? And where do we draw the line? Because at the end of the day, there's lots of songs that sound like lots of other songs. I mean, everything, every if you look at a lot of the tunes, whether it's rock and roll or country music or jazz or whatever, I mean, a, a lot of the, the progressions, a lot of the chords, they're, they're, they're the same. You know, they all start. I mean, you look at rock and roll, I think I could probably give you 15 or 20 songs that you could trace back to various Chuck Berry songs. All right. Does this sound like Led Zeppelin ripped off this smaller band, and should they have had to pay? 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. And those of you with more musical aptitude than not me, and it's probably a lot of you, I mean, do you think they ripped this off? We discuss. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Tommy and Slinger. Hi, Tommy. Hi, Jeff. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. Okay, did Led Zeppelin rip off this, this other band? You know, I don't think they did. I don't think Spirit has, has much of a case because while the, the intro to that song is iconic, People love that song, not for the intro, but for the rest of the song as well. Right. And I think I agree with you, too, about your, your point with the guitar. I mean, the guitar is definitely different. I'm not musical. I'm kind of like you, but right. so I can't, I can't speak right. to that. But I think the guitar definitely is different. Right. Well, they do. I mean, thanks. I mean, in, 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 in preparation for this, I've been following this for a couple of years since it, since it broke out. Again, the, the, the chord progression sounds very similar. I will say this, it's not identical. I mean, there, there's, there, there's different things that they do. There is a slight difference. But, but in general, I mean, I think if you, if, and that was my point, you, you listen to at least the beginning riffs of um, Stairway to Heaven, and you listen to that riff that comes in about 20 seconds into the song Taurus, and it, it, sound, it sounds extremely similar, even though, like I say, the chord projection, the, the chords are slightly different. Uh, Mark from Bristol says, Jeff, changing one chord at the end does not make it your own song. As a musician, this drives me mad. This is a complete infringement on one of the most notable rock songs of 
history. 855-616-1620. Do you think they ripped it off? Um, Jeff, downtown. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Good. Do you think Led Zeppelin ripped this song off? Yeah, I do. And so I followed this um, this case for a while now, and my whole point is, the linchpin question is, how would Led Zeppelin have had access to spirit? You know, in today's world with technology, it's easy to figure out someone could have gotten access to it. But the fact that they toured together and opened up for Led Zeppelin, yeah. and if you know anything about musicians, you know, they jam a lot together, they hang out together in the green room before shows, after shows, and they just play music together. So the fact that, you know, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant had access to that song and those guys on tour with them, to me, that is the linchpin's question. Okay, well, let me ask, is yes. let, well, let me ask you this. Let's say that... Let's say that they they ripped off that that fifteen seconds. Let's say that that's where they mm-hmm. heard it and that's where they got the idea, and that it's, it's substantially the same, even though the, again the the, the note project the, the chords is slightly different. If the rest if if the song is four minutes long, and the rest of the song is is different, all you've got is that that similar chord pro- uh, progression at the beginning. That does. Is that something, is the song, is it really fair to say the song was a complete ripoff? Well, not a complete ripoff, but what I would do is I would, you know, figure out some mathematical equation as to how much money, the, you know, Led Zeppelin made off that song based on album sales, right. based on record play, and, you know, based on the amount of the song uh, in, in terms of the totality of the length of the song, and figure out some, you know, fair and equitable restitution for spirit, and, you know, whether it's five million dollars or 30 million dollars or whatever the price tag is i think that would be a fair and equitable settlement how far back do you go because because like i say i mean i I, i'm not a musician but i'm a music lover i and i even to my untrained ear i mean i can go back and i i can listen to i can listen to, to songs from the 50s like the chuck berry tunes and stuff and i can hear I can hear Chuck Berry riffs in Beatles songs, and I can hear those same riffs, riffs in Kid Rock songs, you know, over the last 40, 50, 60 years, or Willie Nelson songs even. At, at some right. point in time, where, where do you draw the line when you have one musician who borrows or pays homage or, or whatever, you know, because at the end of the day, there's only so many chords you can put together, right? Well, that's true, except most musicians are honest enough to at least give credit or homage, you know, on right. album cover, liner notes, or they, you know, somehow give credit. But in this case, you know, that song, Stairway to Heaven, has been ranked by many musical um, critics as the greatest rock song in rock history. I mean, Rolling Stone ranked at number one. So this is not an obscure song by, you know, and I realize the Beatles are big, but right. there's a lot of obscure songs that sample each other. But this is perhaps the greatest rock song of all time. And I think, you know, if you're a, if you're a family member of that band spirit, I think you deserve some form of, you know, compensation for that. Good enough. No, thanks for call. You know, and it's 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 there's a there's a there's a Dolly Parton song from 1975. His name is escaping me. It's something like Close to You, but it's it's an obscure Dolly Parton song. And I, I was as as I was getting ready to to talk to you about this, I, I went I went and watched that, and I swear it, it's it, the intro to that song is identical to 
the opening riff of Stairway to Heaven, the you know the the 22nd riff that we played from the, the song Tourist. So I mean, and, and I think you know, interestingly enough, Dolly Parton went on to cover Stairway to Heaven, you know, years later. But I mean, I wonder. I wonder if you were going to try to break it down, how many songs have chord progressions that are very similar to e- each other? And at some point in time, I, I don't know, if you, you, you trace the song back to its roots and you say, hey, that, that, Willie Nelson did that, that chord progression back in 1968. And now, you know, here, you know, you're Chris Stapleton, country music person, you know, you're using that same chord progression for one of your songs in 2020 you got to pay willie i mean how far back do we go gianni in montello you're on wtmj good afternoon oh hi jeff i enjoy your show hey listen uh page page is a clever guy a very talented guitarist and um obviously um we're only talking about four bars here but without those four bars and we don't even want to call it a guitar riff i mean it's really a a multitude of uh, where you have uh, several chords and and it's a melody it's a melody that we can all recognize and of course you know page did not uh, originate it but um, without it we would not have the rest of stairway to have so there probably should be some sort of settlement um, going to the Taurus estate um, was his name Randy the, yeah. the founder of the, the yeah. right so they're, they're obviously there you know we, we, we know that uh, you know page got it uh, from listening to you know Randy's uh, touring with them and opening for them so uh, there, you know, there has to be some some um, you know, reimbursement here of, of intellectual property. So, yeah, it's, that, it's that obvious. Right, yeah, the, the, the guy, his his stage name was Randy California. His real name was Randy <laughs> Craig Wolf was his name, but Randy yeah. California. So you think that there should be some payment, not all the royalties, but a portion of it because of that, that one, the, the chord. Oh, without the a doubt. And, and, and without a doubt, because like I say, it's only four bars, but it, it's, it's, it's very, very close to the intro of, of Stairway. And, uh, like I said, you know, Paige, you know, I mean, and we, we rip off things, riffs and this from, you know, people do that. Magicians do that all the sure. time. Yeah. But this is this is this is highly significant. It's a highly, um, uh, you know, earning song with royalties. And come on, give give the estate. Uh, Zap has, has made a ton of money. You Good know. Enough. OK, thanks. Uh, for the call. No, I, I appreciate it. You know, here's a text. Jeff, as a guitar player. I have to say, there are only so many chords music will imitate. Um, music will imitate. All right. Um, when we come back, I'm going to tell you how this turned out, because Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals issued a ruling two days ago. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, so so how did this all turn out? Well, I, one of the things you have to understand is, is, is one of our callers was making the point, music does imitate itself. And and actually, you, you can trace the, the Stairway to Heaven melody, you can actually trace it back to, to medieval times. So, I mean, this, this melody, or at least variations of it, versions of it, has been around for hundreds of years. There's probably also realistically no question that when, you know, Page or Plant when they're touring with this band, they heard that melody, and that was probably informed. But the guy who who came up with it, you know, he might have heard it somewhere, you know, because it's been around for hundreds of years. In any event, that the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals says this week, Stairway to Heaven, uh, not ripped off. 
And essentially, there's all sorts of different nuances. But but basically, you know, what they say is when you're claiming infringement on a common musical theme or element, in this case, a couple bars, um, what what you have to the, the copyright is thin, and you really have to prove that the alleged copied work is, is virtually identical. And the effect of this is it's going to make it very very difficult. I think moving forward, if the Supreme Court doesn't get involved, it's going to make it very very difficult moving forward for people to sue claiming copyright infringement based on on tiny chunks of songs. You know, you'll still be able to sue if, hey, you know, this is it's just a rip off of, you know, the entire three minute song. But if you're going to try to sue based on 10 or 15 seconds um, or less of a melody, going to be a lot harder. Fair or not fair, Led Zeppelin wins and the estate of spirit loses. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Hey, before we move on, one interesting tweet. We were talking about the Stairway to Heaven song, and, and I happened to mention that there was a Dolly Parton song that starts exactly like Stairway to Heaven, and actually one of our listeners sends me a text, Jeff, I never knew about that Dolly Parton song until you mentioned it, but I got curious, and I just listened to it. It's called We Used To. That's right. Quote, We Used To is the name. And it said, I I listened to it. The first three chords of that song sound exactly like Stairway to Heaven. So much so that when the song starts, you would think it is Stairway to Heaven. I actually believe Jimmy Page has more of a lawsuit against Dolly Parton than Spirit has against them. But, yeah, if you want to check it out, it's a Dolly Parton song from 1975. I was able to find... By, by Googling it, her singing, it's we used, U-S-E-D, U-S-E-D, we used to. And the, the first chorus, like I say, it's, it's Stairway to Heaven, to my untrained ear. So, again, my only point is, like a lot of these melodies and stuff, they, they, get, they get copied from time to time. All right, let's talk about politics for a minute. Get away from coronavirus and some of these other things. Politics. Today, there are five primaries um, going on. The The biggest primary is the, the Michigan primary. That's being closely watched because four years ago, Bernie Sanders surprised a lot of people um, after trailing in the polls. He, he, he beat Hillary Clinton. Um, so this, this is a state that he has won before. And it's a state where, in some respects, you've got, you know, there's a lot of things that appeal about Bernie. But at the same time, I mean, Joe Biden does very, very well with African-American voters. And there's a large number of African-American voters in Michigan. In addition, Michigan heavily unionized. And Medicare for all, which is one of the signature things of Bernie Sanders, as I've explained before, that does not play well in union households and with union voters who are one of the core constituencies of the Democratic Party. Why? Because in many cases, not not all cases, but in many cases, the benefits that the unions have over the years negotiated for their members, generally speaking, very, very good health insurance and things like that. And what what happens is a lot of times when you look at the, the Medicare for all versus the coverage that the union members already have, and the coverage they have is a lot better than Medicare for all. So that's among a number of other reasons. That's why Bernie's message doesn't necessarily play as well in union households as you might think. But but in any event, 
the the Michigan primary is being viewed as sort of Bernie's firewall, and he's trailing in polls. But that doesn't mean anything because, as I've said before, just like President Trump's support tends to be underrepresented in polls, in, in many areas, Bernie Sanders' support is underrepresented in polls. At least it was four years ago in Michigan. So we don't know. But Bernie Sanders spent a lot of resources there. And if he gets trounced in Michigan, and he's probably going to lose Missouri and that would be Sanders is going to probably lose Missouri. He's going to definitely lose Mississippi. And again, you're going to start to see this pattern of where outside the Northeast and the 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 West Coast, you know, Bernie Sanders just isn't getting attraction. So a lot of people are watching this. Do I think it's going to be Bernie Sanders' last hurrah? No, but it's it's a pretty significant nail in the coffin if he does not do well in Michigan. In any event, one of the other things that are going on. And it has to do with the the resurgence of Joe Biden, and it, it might be something that you are you are thinking of because it's the influence of the Never Trump Republicans. Now, President Trump has largely captured the Republican Party. The Republican Party pretty much came home in the 2016 election, and and and, and delivered. And people stayed at home, and, and Hillary Clinton ended up losing. Since that time, over the course of the last three-plus years, what you've seen is, is Donald Trump, for better or for worse, has kind of coalesced, he's sort of co-opted the Republican Party to the point that a number of the issues that I would consider you know, traditional Republican Party issues – um, the, the Republican Party has kind of turned their back on him because Trump has turned his back on him. But you do have this this percentage of Republicans that are out there. And, and I don't know if it's 5%, 10%, fill, fill in the blank. I don't think it's necessarily more than that. But you know, there, there's still that hardcore of the, the never-Trump Republicans. And what they are finding is that the, the never-Trump Republicans Republicans are, at least so far, they're still participating in politics. They won't vote for Bernie Sanders under any stretch of the imagination, and they wouldn't vote for Elizabeth Warren, but they will vote for Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is seen as as an alternative for, again, the, the never-Trumpers that are out there. I want to open up the phone lines. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. All right, I would like to hear from you if you are one of those people who would describe yourself as as the never-Trumpers. And, and by when I'm talking about the never-Trumpers, it, it's not the hardcore liberals who would never vote for Republican, but these were typically people who might lean Republican or might be independent who've made the decision, for whatever reason, that they can't support, that you can't support the president. All right, can you support Joe Biden? Because there's some polls out there, and there's some numbers, and there's some analysis that suggests that that's where a lot of the Biden support is coming from. People who may even be Republican-leaning voters, but... They're, they're, for whatever reason, they can't pull the lever for President Trump, so they're going to Biden. I, is that going on? Does that seem like it's a reality? And I will tell you, my answer is, I I, I think that that probably is happening. And, and I, I, I will tell you, I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there who might 
be kind of torn out under no circumstances could they see themselves voting for a Bernie Sanders. But, all right, it might be a closer call between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. All right, never Trumpers. Are they going to Biden? Would you be going to Biden if you're one of those people? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Steve in Waukesha. Steve, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Okay, could you could you see voting for Joe Biden as an alternative to voting for Donald Trump? Uh, yes, I could. Um, I'm not sure whether I will go that direction or not, but I vote, I've been voting Republican for many, 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 many years. However, I did not vote for uh, in the last election. Uh, actually, I voted for the Libertarian. Uh, I couldn't vote for Hillary. Right. And um, I definitely wouldn't, as you said in your piece before, I wouldn't vote for uh, Warren or Sanders. Right. But uh, I just, I, I can't believe that, or i got to believe that there's a lot of people out there that maybe voted for Trump in the past, and thought that, hey, you know, maybe once he becomes president, he'll sort of become a little bit more professional. Uh, but that hasn't been the case. It's just been the opposite direction. And I can't see those people voting for Trump again. Well, it'll be interesting because during the 2016 election, the phrase I heard a lot was it's a binary choice. You know, you the, the choice is Hillary or or Donald Trump. And so you, you have to make that that pick. Um, in this particular case, it's you know it's a different dynamic. It's still that binary choice. And if the choice was Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders, you get one result. I think there's a lot of people, and I'm not endorsing Joe Biden. I'm just saying I think there's a lot of people who say, well, okay, Biden wouldn't necessarily be the best option, but I don't think he's going to ruin the country or at least dramatically change the country like Bernie Sanders. And I'll at least give him a, a look in comparing him to the president. I agree. Yeah, no, thanks. And I think and I, I think that's starting to play out. Now, I understand that there's people just look at these things differently. There there were some people who I know in some of the primary states and, and some Republicans, especially in those states where, like Wisconsin, it, it's an open primary. You don't have to declare as a Democrat or Republican. You can vote for whoever you want. And there were some people who were saying, well, you know, the Republicans are going to vote for Bernie Sanders because they, they think it'll be easier for Trump to beat Bernie Sanders. Now, I would never do that because, as, as we've seen, you, you never know what elections are going to lead to. I mean, who, who thought that Donald Trump was going to beat Hillary Clinton? I mean, seriously. So this idea that, okay, well, we're going to vote for Bernie because he can't beat Donald Trump, well, that's a great way of thinking. Then next thing you know, you, you wake up um, you know, in, in mid-November and you find that, that Bernie lets nationalize health insurance and lets forgive student debts and lets tax anybody that's got more money than somebody else and lets try to tax them out of existence, you find that that person's the president. So I, I, I can't play games like that. I, I just, I just don't. Um, I, I would, I guess, if I were you say, okay, we're going to put a gun to your head and we're going to make you vote in the Democrat primary, Democratic primary. I would be okay. I, I want to vote for somebody that if. If it wasn't a Republican elected president, who's the best alternative? And in that case, my case, it would be, at least in my opinion, anybody but Bernie Sanders. Cheryl in Green Lake. Cheryl, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. Um, I voted for Trump in the last election, and I think a lot of my acquaintances feel the same way. He was the lesser of two evils. I just couldn't stand 
Clinton. Yeah. Um, but he comes off as such a buffoon that if there's anybody who's half, and Biden's not out to the far left like the rest of them, I, I will probably vote for him because I don't understand why the Republicans didn't run, aren't running somebody else with Trump's platform who comes off yeah. with just a little finesse. He isn't. I mean, he he makes us look like idiots to the whole world. So you'd at least. You'd at least consider if if Joe Biden is the alternative to Donald Trump. You'd at least consider voting for Biden, and maybe you're leaning towards voting for Biden. I I don't know right now, right. but I just can't see. I don't think Trump's going to win again. I really don't. I think people just are sick of the way he handles himself. He, you know, it's, he's yeah. he's done some things that I agree with, but the way he does it is so on. Yeah. Um, uh, unbra- I don't know. Uh, I like, I know. Cheryl, I, I like that. The way he does it is so. Uh, I, I, I can't say. I thanks for, I can't say it better. I mean, I, I think that that's that that's it. And I mean, I, look, if you're a regular listener's program, you know, for the last five years, I this is kind of where I've, I've been because I I actually. I, I mean, I agree with a number of things President Trump has done over the course of the year. That that's why some of the Never Trumper stuff drives me absolutely crazy because. It, it's it like assumes that nothing. It's the New York Times approach that nothing the guy can do is correct, and that's that's just not true. I, I mean, there's a lot of different policies that he's implemented that have been very very successful, um, which isn't to say that it's perfect. And there's other stuff he does that, in the words of Cheryl, it's kind of like, ugh. Um, I, I do think it's a dynamic, and I think it's one of the things that is is going to help Biden moving forward because I, I do think. There's a lot of moderates and maybe even Republican-leaning people who would at least consider Joe Biden because they, they don't view Biden as, as being this kind of crazy lefty who's just going to upset everything. I mean, Biden came out yesterday and said he's gonna, he would veto Medicare for all. I mean, that because I think he realizes it, it would bankrupt the, company, the country. Um, Jeff, I am a never-Trumper, but I cannot see myself voting for Biden. I will probably not vote for president um this year um let's see um jeff uh slow joe will never be trump um he acts like he's a hundred years old um i i think trump in 2020 um one of the interesting things will be that the next debate where you've got bernie sanders and you've got joe biden kind of one-on-one and i i think Biden definitely needs to step up his game there, there's no question about that because he does I mean, I, I think his debate performances thus far have been underwhelming, but that's not to say it can't change. Um, we'll know a lot more about the state of the Democratic race um, by tomorrow. That's just the reality. Bernie's running out of time. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. For those of you keeping track at home, uh, the Dow Jones now up 736 points. That was after a 2,000-plus point drop yesterday. And, of course, the market opened up several hundred points and then was in negative territory, is now back up 700-plus points. I don't know. Just don't hit the button. That's the bottom line. If you've got it all on the computer, just kind of just let it go be trust trust in your asset allocation make it age appropriate and go from there all right um I, again the, the dominant story is the coronavirus and and there's so many different aspects of it I, i'm making a conscious point to try to vary the different topics and the different approaches to it we started off the show discussing the recommendation that i i think is i, I think is 
a bad idea. UW-Madison saying to students, don't leave Madison. Don't go on spring break. You know, if they were saying, hey, don't travel overseas because you might get stuck there, that would be fine. But they're telling people, stay in Madison, which to me seems, I think, to be the height of hysteria. But people can decide that for themselves. Related to that, there are... There, there are concerns about about public gatherings. For example, what's coming up this week, Rue, this weekend? You know, you're looking at me blankly. Oh, come on. St. Patrick's Day next Tuesday. Oh, yeah. I haven't St. really Patrick's paid attention. Day, you haven't paid attention. St. Patrick's Day next Tuesday and this Saturday, there's the St. Patrick's Day Parade downtown Milwaukee. Big, big deal. It, it is a parade. Well, the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Milwaukee it is not the biggest. Matter of fact, uh, the biggest St. Patrick's Day parade in the United States is in Boston. Probably no surprise. Biggest St. Patrick's Day, I think, in parade in the world is in Dublin. But but Boston. So Boston, the mayor announced yesterday that for the first time since 1994, the St. Patrick's Day parade in Boston has been canceled. Um, the justification was the decision is being made out of an abundance of caution to ensure what we are doing, we're doing what was needed to keep the residents of Boston safe safe and healthy. Um, interestingly, the largest St. Patrick's Day parade, like I say, in the world is in Dublin, and Dublin has announced that they have also canceled the St. Patrick's Day Parade for this year. Now, so far in Milwaukee, at least to my knowledge, there's been no effort or plan to to cancel our St. Patrick's Day Parade. But this is a decision, again, and it's going to play out, whether it's sporting events, opening day, Bucks games, you know, you, you name it, conventions, all those things. But now we're starting to see outdoor activities, parades being canceled. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I, I'm one of these guys who, I, I, on the one hand, I, I don't think people should do stuff that is irresponsible. At the same time, I, I don't think we can give in to hysteria. Do you think that there is a reason that we should now start to cancel activities? For example, You've got the St. Patrick's Day Parade that's coming up locally. Should we be looking at canceling that event? I mean, they did it in Boston. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, uh, while Gru is lining up the calls, I, I mean, I I guess I just kind of shake my head at this sort of stuff. I, I think it's it's borderline absurd to cancel a, an, a large outdoor activity. First of all, it's it's not even like you're talking about a cruise ship where in a confined quarters you're you're outside at, at a St. Patrick's Day parade. You're you know it's a public sort of thing, and and I understand that the coronavirus can be transferred just like influenza A or B can be transferred by airborne particles and stuff. But you're talking about outside events, so I, I think that's number one. But but number two. I mean, while I appreciate you want to be safe and things like that, unless we're all going to be bubble wrapped, 
the, the reality is that there is this degree of risk. And I guess I think it's important to go about everyday activities. And if I was scheduled to participate in, I don't know, one of the various runs that they have around here around St. Patrick's Day, or if I was a big fan of going to the parade and stuff, I'd be disappointed in the extreme if they called it off. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess if you're going to start canceling parades, where, where, where do you draw the line? I mean, does that now mean that, you know, any public gathering, we're going to have to close down? Are we going to have to close down enclosed shopping centers? What about outdoor malls? I mean, what about anything where large numbers of people go? What about church services where there's going to be, you know, hundreds of people that might be there? I mean, I just, at some point in time, we, we can't bubble wrap ourselves. We can be smart, but this this isn't the bluebonic plague. And I guess canceling parades, for example, strikes me as being an overreaction. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is lining up the calls. We're back to discuss in just a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, uh, Boston, which has the largest St. Patrick's Day parade in the country, they have canceled it. Dublin has canceled their St. Patrick's Day parade. Dublin, I believe, has the largest St. Patrick's Day parade in the world, all because of coronavirus fears. Are, are we going? Are we going to extremes? Jody in Brookfield. Jody, you're on WTMJ. Yeah. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jody. So. This is a really interesting situation for us because we are going to Dublin, leaving tonight, actually, to visit our daughter who's studying abroad there. And though it was not intended to be such, our trip happens to fall over St. Patrick's Day because that's when her break is. Right. So, of course, we're excited. Go to the St. Patrick's Parade in Dublin. How better to celebrate? And now it's been canceled. Right. So we're looking at it as, okay, now... So we have the same number of people who all had arrangements to be in Dublin will still be in Dublin, and now they'll be inside at the bars. Is that better? Right, right, right. It's it's not like you're right. You're in your case. You're still going to be there. You're still going to be interacting with folks as opposed to being on the street. Again, it just, I guess, it makes no sense to me. But you know, it is interesting, Jody. You're not changing your plans. The story I'm looking at though says that a lot of people are. Last year, they estimated that two million people attended. St. Patrick's Day celebrations across Ireland, not all in Dublin, and they're expecting right now hundreds of layoffs um, as hotel and restaurants um, just face cancellation. So the good news for you is I I think you might be able to get into a bunch of good restaurants that you might not otherwise have been able to do. Perfect. Well, like I said, uh, you know, to cancel wasn't really an option. It wasn't the point of our trip to celebrate St. Patrick's Day there. We're going to see our daughter who studies at Marquette and happens to be in Dublin. But, uh, you know, we would have lost all of our money. Our plane fare wasn't being canceled. They weren't doing anything about that. We're flying Aer Lingus, so we would have been out all of our money. We're just being careful in where we stay, where we go. Right. Are you but worried? I think we I, will. I mean, are you worried about? Um, <laughs> I'm not overly worried. I'm still going, but right. I will be cautious. I will wipe down surfaces. I won't be, you know, giving yeah. every... Stranger, yeah. I run across a hug. Um, <laughs> right. I think that you just need to exercise caution. Yeah. And I don't. I, I'm. I'm. 
disappointed that this has to overshadow our trip right. because it's a trip we've been looking forward to since our daughter decided to study there. Right. But I'm not going to let it ruin our trip. We'll just have different experiences. We have had to adjust our plans once because the small town where the Cliffs of Moore are in uh, Doolin had an outbreak last week, and the bed and breakfast we were supposed right. to stay at actually got in touch with us and said they thought we should cancel that part of our trip. So we had to refinagle, and we're going to go see different areas that maybe aren't as touristy. But, of course, it's Ireland. Everything's going to be wonderful. So Well, it is. You know, it's, it's interesting. See the bright side. Uh, that's it. You have a great trip, Jody. We'll talk. Call me when you get back. I'd love to know how the trip goes. Okay. All righty. You take Jeff. care. Travel safely. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We were... Um, way back in the day, I just, I'd been here for a year or two and it was going to be one of the very first listener trips that we did. It was going to be a golf trip to Ireland. We ended up having to cancel it because I think it was 2001 because they had the, the foot and mouth scare. And what happened is that they ended up, they closed all these golf courses that we're going to play. And so that, that's kind of, I mean, that's the real drag of this thing. It's, it's not that you're necessarily, it's not that you're necessarily concerned that you're going to get sick. To me, traveling overseas, my two big concerns, as I said earlier, is one is you, you, you get there and then they put in some sort of quarantine and you're not able to get back. That, that, that would be a, a concern. And, and number two, as a practical matter, that you, you go to a particular place. Yeah, you've, I've, gee, I've never been to Italy. And so I've, I've dreamed of going to Italy all my life and I want to see the Vatican and I want to see the Leaning Tower of Pisa and I want to see, um, you know, the, the museum, the Uffizi and all that. And then you get there and it's all closed because of this. And, and so that's, I mean, I think that's one of the, the factors. But as far as, I don't know, canceling parades. I, I To me, I, I think that's going too far. Now, here's a text. Jeff, canceling parades, in my opinion, is absurd. I'm supposed to chaperone my daughter's band trip to Disney World. We will be in a parade at the Magic Kingdom. We leave March 22nd. If this gets canceled, we will all be devastated. I mean, right, That that's, I mean, that, that's a great point. I mean, if we're going to cancel the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Boston, should we be closing Disney World? Because you've got all sorts of people coming from all over the country, heck, all over the world, that are coming and, and people are interacting. And that the big deal at Disney World is you've got the parades that are every day. I just, I think that, um, again, you, you've got to be careful. You've got to be cautious. And I've, again, I mean, I... I would I not go on a cruise ship? No, I wouldn't go on a cruise right now. Am I worried about going on our cruise in September? Absolutely not. Did I go to Las Vegas a week and a half ago? I did. Did I go to Florida two weeks before that? Absolutely. If I had some reason to go back down to Florida over the weekend, would I do it? Absolutely. I mean, I just, I, I don't think we can bubble wrap ourselves. And if I wanted to go to the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Milwaukee on Saturday, would I, I not go because I'm afraid of coronavirus? Absolutely not. You have to be smart, but you have to continue to live your life, don't you? All right. This is I, – I do not typically do giveaways on the program. It's just kind of a decision I make, and people say, you want to do a giveaway, and I typically say no. But every once in a while, I get presented with these giveaways that are really, really cool. All right. Marquette fans, Al McGuire fans, from the sidelines to life off the court. The all-new production, McGuire by Dick Enberg, shares the stories of the man, that's Al McGuire, adored by so many at Marquette and beyond. I actually, I used to work in the same building with Al McGuire back, back in the day. Tune in all week. 
I will be giving away a pair of tickets to see Maguire by Dick Enberg. It's a one-person show. It stars Anthony Cravello. It's going to be at the Northern Lights Theater at Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino. Show runs April 1st through the 4th and April 7th and 8th. I'm definitely going to go to one of the shows. I have a pair of tickets to give away. Caller number 14. Caller 14 seven, at 799-855-616-1620. Caller 14 855-616-1620 wins a pair of tickets to see Maguire by Dick Enberg at the Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino this April. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, we have a winner of our pair of tickets to go see Maguire by Enberg. I, I've had an opportunity to see it once. It's it's really a very, very good show, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Um, we'll be giving away a pair of tickets for the balance of the week, two tickets a day. Um, check it out. If you don't win the tickets, it's it's worth reaching into your pocket. And the, actually, the Northern Lights Theater is a great venue to see performances. It's intimate. Sound is great. Sight lines are great. So um, should be a lot of fun. But keep listening for your chance to win um, as the week goes on. All right. Now, let's see. Uh, again, uh, stock market rebounding today. Right now, the Dow up 816 points, so it's bouncing all over, but um, up around 800. NASDAQ up about 281. Both of those, that's more than a 3% increase. Doesn't make up for what happened two days ago, but does kind of stop the bleeding a little bit. The other interesting thing, if you're looking for... If you're looking for a silver lining in, in what's going on with the coronavirus and, and everything else, um, there, there is the, the whole idea of, of gas prices. The, the big decline in the stock market yesterday was not simply coronavirus fears. It rather was a, also a concern about a glut of, of oil because what happened is amid concerns that the economy might be slowing down, OPEC decided maybe they were going to cut production. And what happened is Russia, who depends on oil revenue, they said, we're not going to cut production. We're going to continue to keep pumping stuff out. And, of course, it's a supply and demand thing. Even the, Russia, I think, made the decision that even if the price goes down, we're still going to try to corner the market. We're going to still start selling stuff. So they decided to put more oil on the market. OPEC and then Saudi Arabia decided, well, okay, we're not going to cut back if Russia's not going to cut back. So what you see is a glut of oil on the market. So what does that do? Um, that that affects um, that affects first of all like the oil stocks and stuff because there's more out there. In addition, it affects. Oh, some of the in the U.S. that the fracking businesses, the fracking industry, because all right, if you've got the imported oil that's out there that's cheaper, that means it's tougher to make money during the fracking. So, in any event, what one of the things that hit the stock market yesterday was the the global glut of oil that that's out there. So, how does this translate, and what could be the good news about that? Well, it translates into perhaps good news at the pump. Now, so many times over the last various years that I've been on the radio you know we, we've seen we've seen things that affected gas prices in a negative way by negative I mean causing the prices to go up and there is a point and I, I you know we had a point a while back where we were close to four bucks a gallon and there's a point where gasoline prices start to influence people's behavior and in my opinion 
it's around $4 a gallon. That's where people start saying, okay, well, maybe I I can't take this extra trip, et cetera, et cetera. Well, all right, this is now the flip side. And there's a number of gas stations in the Milwaukee area that are now selling gasoline for below $2 a gallon, below 2 bucks a gallon. And my guess is that will continue to drop. Okay, Melissa Barkley, you were you were nicely during an earlier segment pointing out that um, – you know, those of us who are older and closer to retirement maybe <laughs> yes. had a little bit of concern. Okay, so you, you're, you're very nice about yes. it. I appreciate it. All right. How much was gas when you started driving? Gasoline per gallon. Oh, do you remember? Gosh, I do remember. It was under a dollar. Okay. Under right, a dollar. Under a dollar. Yeah, it was like, ni- I remember it being 98 cents. I. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I When I started driving. Mm-hmm. And I, I got I got my driver's license the day I was 16 years old. That was the big thing. You know, I took the took the driving class beforehand. Went down, got the test, got my driver's license. I still remember first day driving around in my parents' car, this Buick LeSabre and stuff. Gasoline back when I back in the day, 36 cents Ooh. a gallon for regular, 40 cents for premium, and they pumped it. You know, it was not the self-service stuff. You pulled in, the attendant ran out, mm-hmm. and they cleaned your windshield, and they checked your oil, 36 cents a gallon. And that's when you ran over that little strip that had the bell go off, ding, ding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and right. then the attendant came out. And, and then it, it all went to hell a couple years later because it was when I was in college that they had the Arab oil embargo. And you, I mean, gas lines, and you, you were there was a point where you know, depending on your license plate number, you could only fill up either on all, odd or even days. And so stuff it wasn't like because that. people knew you were on the roads that you were driving. <laughs> no, it, it was well, I don't think so, but it was. I thanks Jimmy Carter. It was kind of the Arab oil embargo and stuff. But I can remember being in the gas lines, and it never came back down to there. But in any event. Um, now, now at least we're closer to thirty-six cents a gallon than we are to four dollars a gallon. And my guess is gas prices are continue to drop a little bit. That's huh. good news. It is good. I'm news. taking a small trip this weekend, so fill uh, up. If I'm going to fill her up, yeah, absolutely. You can't go wrong with that. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I hate to say I told. Actually, I don't hate to say I told you. So I, I, I've been telling you about this since the story broke. Now, Midwest Airlines, Midwest Express Airlines, what many of us remember fondly as being the best care in the air, for the last, I don't know, year or so or whatever, there's there's been new operators who have been saying, we're, we're going to bring Midwest back, and it's going to have the chocolate chip cookie and all that type of stuff. And, and people including the media, have been fawning all over. Oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be like the the old days. And I've been saying all along, whoa, this, this just doesn't make any sense. Take this with a grain of salt. And I'm sure the operator's behind well-intentioned, but it just doesn't add up. But, of course, because everybody loved Midwest Express Airlines and thought it was going to be like it was, everybody was jumping on board. Well, the, the latest story, and see, and part of the reason why I was advising people to be cautious is that this plan to revive Midwest Express Airlines, it, at least in the initial stages, they were never talking about getting 
a, a real Midwest Express. I mean, it, by that I mean, in order to run an airline, you have to you have to have an airline operating certificate. And what else do you need, Gru, who's producing the show today and always? What else do you need if you're going to run an airline? What do we start off with? Airplanes. Airplanes. Very good. Right. <clears throat> you need airplanes. Well, this company was never going to get airplanes. So they weren't going to have an airline plane operating certificate, and they weren't going to have airplanes, at least in, in the beginning. What they were essentially going to do is they, they, they had the name Midwest, and they were going to hire it out. They were essentially going to rent contract with like another airline to provide the planes that they would then fly under the Midwest Express brand, which which is okay, but it's not like they're starting, it's not like the return of Midwest Express. Well, anyhow, the story yesterday, and so I was always like cautious, and then, then what happened is the original plans, they were supposed to be flying like the early part of this year, and that hasn't happened and yesterday they announced that all this stuff, never mind, the, the deal between the the company Midwest Express Airlines and the company that owns actually owns the airplanes and has the operating certificate, that's, that's kind of broken down and they're going to be suing people for breach of contract, etc., which means bottom line is it's, it's not going to happen. At least it's not going to happen anytime soon. I understand, and this is see, one of my frustrations sometimes about media coverage. If I... I I remember how cool Midwest Express Airlines were. I mean, Midwest Express, for those of you who might be new to the area, Midwest Express started, it started as, as at Kimberly-Clark. And, you know, th- these were planes that Kimberly-Clark flew, and then it kind of grew, and it became th- this wonderful, wonderful airline. And they flew direct flights all over. I used to, um, I used to fly them to Washington, D.C., all the, my, when I worked for the U.S. government, I had to go back and forth from D.C. all the time. And they'd have a direct flight out in the morning, and then they'd have a direct flight back in, in the evening. And so you, you could do turnaround trips. And on the flight out in the morning, they served brec- They had silverware, and they'd serve you champagne if you wanted it. And on the way back, they served you steak or lobster. I mean, it was just – now, you might say – you know how can you make money doing this? And the answer was they couldn't. At the end of the day, they, they couldn't. But it was it was like two across seating, and there were these leather seats. Oh my goodness! It was it was just like heaven if you had to fly. You weren't like crammed in and you know closed in. It was just great. And so we all have these really fond memories. But the problem was, and this is what I've been saying ever since they talked about this revival of, of Midwest. The problem was that that business model, God, you loved it. But the business model doesn't work anymore because the truth of the matter is you've got fuel costs that are high. You've got, you know, airlines. The, the reason why we fly with full planes nowadays is airlines, they, they've cut back the, the number of flights they have. They're trying to have efficiencies. When's the last time anybody flew on a plane that, that, that wasn't, if not full, Almost full. I mean, that that's just what they do nowadays. You, you have to put as many people in an airplane as you possibly can. As far as, like, the amenities, yeah. Like, I mean, unless you're flying first class to Europe, you're not going to get a steak or anything like that. But it, it was great in the day. But the business model just doesn't work because vacation travel, first of all, business travel has been curtailed dramatically. And secondly, vacation travelers 
for most people, you, it, it's cost. You know that that's it. If you're if you're flying on the planes and you're taking a couple kids, you you want cost. You're, you'd love to have the you know the two across seating and the extra wide seats and all these things, but you you know you you just can't afford to pay for it. The business model of Midwest, it was great in the time. But it didn't work. It ultimately failed. And this idea that, okay, we're going to be able to revive it. Well, they might have been able to revive the brand name. And, and yes, they might have been able to pass out the chocolate chip cookies that they heated up in the microwave on board. But if if anybody thought that we were going to have the Midwest Express that we used to have, it it just wasn't going to happen. And as I've been saying all along, I, I, I'm not, I'm not rooting against them, but this comeback, it never really made any sense to me, and at least right now, doesn't appear to make sense to too many other people because these plans to be flying, well, they're, they're back to square one and they're in court. And generally speaking, if you don't have airplanes and you don't have an operating certificate and you're suing the company that was supposed to provide the planes, that probably tells me that you're not going to start flight service anytime soon. And I did tell you so. This is Jeff Wagner.